Chapter 9, Crashing. Of all the content shared in this book so far, this chapter is the toughest. This period for me was very dark and very full of fear, which consisted of things I had been able to overcome with time. As you are reading this chapter, know that I am not sugarcoating anything here. It is important to give as much detail as possible because you may not relate to each area at the summary level, but you may relate to some of the details. Growing up, I was introduced to doctors by way of annual physicals, usually for sports and occasionally a cold or flu. Throughout my youth and through college, I thought there was only one type of doctor. So every time I fell under the weather or needed an annual physical, I ended up going to see the same doctor, our family physician. And every time I saw the doctor, I started feeling better a short time later after my appointments. Even when I started having symptoms like a racing heart with heart palpitations, racing mind and lack of focus, hypersensitivity to light in almost every food imaginable, the self-diagnosis and use of a multitude of vitamins, fear of being alone, extreme stress and anxiety in all group settings, low sleep quality, among others. I did what I've always done. I made an appointment to see that same family physician. Just to be clear, I am not advocating to not see a family physician. What I am saying, however, is that they may not be the best resource when it comes to mental health treatment. A family physician can be a great resource to start, but should not be accepted as the only professional to help guide your mental health journey. Instead, seek a specialist, such as a psychiatrist and a therapist, whom each have specific psychology education and experience with mental health patients. A good analogy is if you were having car trouble. You would not take your car to a lawyer to diagnose and fix the issue. You would go to an auto mechanic who has experience fixing cars. If you see a generalist, you will get generalist results, while if you see a specialist, you will get specialist results. This was something I learned a hard way. I spent numerous visits with my family physician expecting to receive a psychiatrist diagnosis and treatment. During my almost 10 visits to my family physician in a short period of time, I participated in just about every test they had. I had several blood tests and two halter monitor tests, all of which came back within range. While there were periods of time where my heart rate climbed during the halter monitor tests, my heart rate always returned to be within the acceptable limit as determined by the family physician, and therefore not a pressing issue. Still, slowing down my breathing was difficult, and taking deep breaths was impossible. I was exhaling more than I was inhaling, and this continued to be alarming, even after all the tests performed. There was nothing conclusive that pointed to any heart trouble. If anything, the test results showed that my heart function was normal. I also went to see another family physician that focused on the gastrointestinal tract. All tests there, too, came back normal and clean. During this same time frame, not only did I spend a lot of time in and out of the doctor's office, I had several trips to the emergency room, 
where ER doctors ordered blood tests around major organ function and key electrolyte levels in addition to electrocardiograms, EKG, and even a positron emission tomography, PET, where doctors reviewed ingested tracers inside of my body to determine any potential internal diseases. Still, with doctor and ER visits, the results were always normal, average, clean, and not shown anything of concern. On many occasions, I was simply instructed to go home and schedule a follow-up with my normal family physician. All these visits were increasingly exhausting and frustrating, not to mention costly. No matter what I was getting tested for or trying to do on my own, my symptoms persisted. And yet, I remain hopeful that the symptoms are going to vanish at some point on their own. It was also tough in the sense that I didn't actually know anyone with similar symptoms, probably because they were also bottling everything up due to the stigma around mental health issues and the fact that some of the most common symptoms are virtually invisible. No one should have to go through life day to day without knowing when or if the symptoms would subside, like the way I was living for so long. Moreover, the timing was just around the same time as my wedding and honeymoon. At that point, all the combined red flags I had been living with were kicked into overdrive as the wedding approached. I was now convinced that there was something seriously wrong with me due to the longevity and multitude of symptoms that were negatively impacting my daily life that all overlap into a generalized definition of depression and anxiety. Experiencing anxiety is one of the most death-defying feelings I have ever had. Anxiety for me lasted entire days and nights, overtaking my life. It felt like my heart was racing so fast it was going to jump outside of my body, almost always accompanied by bouts of dizziness. Anytime I stood up to complete a task, such as driving to the store to pick up groceries, I could feel my mind and body kick up into overdrive, causing the task to rapidly become overwhelming. It became so overwhelming that I stopped going. And when I tried going to the grocery store with someone else driving, I was okay on the way there. But the normalcy stopped as soon as we would roll into the parking lot. Once I walked into the store, a grand sense of panic started with dizziness and shortness of breath. On the days where I could make it through the initial panic attack of entering the store, the same feeling soon returned while waiting in the checkout line. Eventually, I realized that these episodes were panic attacks induced by prolonged feelings of anxiety. The panic attacks happened at church, at the grocery store, out at restaurants, driving, on planes trying to travel somewhere, at the front of a class trying to teach, and countless other scenarios. Panic attacks hit the fight or flight mechanism of one's brain and are tough to get out of. Slowing down your heart rate is a start, but in the thick of a panic attack, breathing is challenging. The problem for me was that it felt like I could not take a deep breath meaning that I could not begin a breathing exercise to bring my heart rate down. Not being able to take deep breaths was a problem I had that caused my anxiety and panic attacks to linger longer than they should have. 
Everyone experiences these things differently, and I found that I needed to accept the way my body chemistry is made up, such that anxiety was something that I was going to have to deal with in a logical and safe manner. At my lowest, this was very difficult to wrap my head around, because since my anxiety and panic attacks amped up my heart rate and how quickly thoughts were flowing through my mind, it created a tremendous lack of focus for me. Another major symptom I was having was depression, revolving around tiredness, loss of interest, indecisiveness, withdrawn and quiet around others, and loss of appetite. At my worst, depression was extremely difficult to manage, and I do not think I was even doing a good job at attempting to manage it. Denial was a big cause of this, simply because I did not want to admit I was depressed. Everyone has days when they are tired, cannot focus, or are not interested in doing things, or following through with plans, so therefore, there was not something so wrong with me that I needed help. Nobody likes feeling down or like they should not do something because it will cause even more deterioration in a symptom or illness. Depression is a tough topic to tackle, and it is still something that I am managing to this day. Looking back at where I was just a short time ago, though, I'm definitely in much better control of my depression and know how to manage it way better than I could have ever imagined before I received the help I so desperately needed. At times, I would try to mitigate how I was feeling by eating a variety of salty and sweet foods and drinking a mix of tap water, mineral water, alkaline water, and Gatorade. When I would teach, I took the whole variety with me to class, most of which I would consume at one time during a quick break in the three-hour class. I remember thinking and imagining what my students were thinking about seeing all this, silently comparing me to their other normal professors, causing me great anxiety all over again. The judgment of what I did and how I did it and the perception to others at every turn was just another rabbit hole my mind would wander down. That became another huge red flag for me, but I thought I could just power through. What I did not know at the time was that I could not, or at least I could not on my own. It was after months of the same symptoms with no end in sight that I started to think, why me? Why was I suffering, having to go through this, and why can't I just feel better? Everyone else around me is living a full life, or so I thought, not feeling anything remotely close to what I was. While I was at a standstill as days and nights melted into one another, stringing along for weeks and months at a time. One day, shortly after these feelings overcame me, I was frantically googling my symptoms and many different health conditions populated the search results. I read and read, rereading many articles that detailed my symptoms and health conditions in a state of denial, not wanting to believe many of them. For whatever reason, I had the mindset that I knew better than anyone and discounted what I was reading. As you can imagine, the range of health conditions I was coming across was vast, including heart and brain-related health conditions and a variety of mental health issues. The entire time reading about mental health issues, I discounted everything because of the stigma I had in my own mind. I was not one of those people, plain and simple. 
I just could not be a person who needed specialized help. I was strong mentally, or so I thought. In addition, I did not want my family and friends to know I needed professional help because I thought they would look down on me as a weak person. Being mentally ill would mean I was not a normal person. But what is normal? Is normal going through life with over-the-top anxiety at just about every moment of the day? My thinking was absolutely warped, and that was one of the effects of knowing that something was wrong and that I was crashing fast. What I would soon find out was that those people are strong, and quite possibly some of the strongest people I've ever met. During this period of crashing, I was closed-minded on many things going on. My prescription for living is rooted in knowing and believing that I would recover and get better eventually. I was stubborn at first, but it was not until I swallowed my pride that I started to see the smallest of positive movements forward. Remember, if you do not believe you will get better, how can you expect others to believe? You are strong and you will get through this and come out even better on the other side.